Today's first scripture reading comes from John chapter 20, 1 to 10, and can be found on the page 1089 of the Church Bibles. Chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strike of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strip of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying at, in his place, separate from the linen. Finally, the, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. This is the word of the Lord. Today's second scripture reading comes from John chapter 20, 11 to 18, continued from the same page, 1089 from the Church Bible. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she, went, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the, the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where, she, where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Madeline went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he has said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. He is risen. He is risen You're improving. <laughs> I uh, find that is one of the most amazing things about our Christian faith. That Christ is risen. 
You see, that is the thing that begins to show us that life does not end in death. That there is eternity. There is an eternal world. There is a God. And uh, this is an amazing, wonderful thing. And we want to look at that this morning, at the, or this afternoon, the meaning and the implication of this. But to know that he is risen will change our whole lives. The way we live, how we live, what we do, how we think, what we believe is right and wrong, all because he is alive. So this morning, just as I begin, I would like to just pause and pray with us on this special day. Father, thank you again for these words which we have read from your Bible. Those words which you've inspired Paul by your Holy Spirit to write, excuse me, John, by your Holy Spirit to write. And Lord, we thank you now that we can ask you Lord, we celebrate that we are, you are risen and we do ask you this morning, this day, that we would experience the reality of you just as true as Mary did, as the disciples did on that very first day. So we thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, these things that we look at today and these verses that we have in John chapter 20 give us the account of that very first morning, that Easter morning as they came to the tomb. But the truth is, is that we need to understand that this one happening is probably the most significant thing as far as us understanding the truth that God is alive, that all that happened on the cross really is effective. It is the way that God is reaching out to us and offering us a relationship with Him as God our Father who has adopted us by forgiveness through the blood of Jesus into His family. This resurrection shows beyond all doubt that God the Father had accepted the sacrifice of God the Son. That it was adequate that God the Father realized that what had been done was enough to bring forgiveness to each and every one of us that turned to him and asked him to forgive us. Isn't that an amazing truth? Like John, in 1 John writes, chapter 2, where he says, I would that none of you sin, but if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ the righteous, who God gave as a sacrifice for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. It's an amazing truth, and it is verified by the fact of the resurrection. Because in it, like at the end of this chapter, chapter 20, on the very next page in your church Bible, John concludes that chapter by writing this. 
Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. In other words, we believe that he is the promised one. He is the one who God the Father, even in the early part of the Bible, as he judged sin with Adam and Eve, and he spoke to evil and said, from this woman will come, from the lineage of this woman will come one who will crush the head of evil. There was one coming who would deal with evil and with sin. And as we follow the scriptures, we find this one is called the Messiah, but also goes on to say, this one is the Son of God. God coming in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, that his sacrifice was adequate, that evil could never shake its fist in the hand of God, saying the sacrifice was not enough because it was God. Nor could evil shake his fist in the face of God and saying it was not fair because he was totally man and he suffered for all of our guilt. And then John concludes by saying, and that believing, believing this, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, you may have life in his name. Not death, but life. And life eternal. Now, as we read or listened to those verses being read to us, one of the things we realize is that when the resurrection happened on that first morning, many were not expecting a resurrection. That was beyond what they had anticipated. In verse 1 it says, Early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, saw that the stone had been removed, and then you'll remember immediately, rather than even looking into the tomb, she runs back to Peter and tells him that they have taken the Lord. Now, I suppose all of us would have been surprised if, like they, had been watching when they put his body in the tomb and they rolled the stone in front of it. Um, I always remember when one of my first years as a missionary, we were in an area where there was an ancient ruin. And that's the first time I ever saw one of these stones that would roll in front of a grave. It was literally as tall as I am, or maybe a bit larger, probably about 30 centimeters wide, around like a wheel, carved out of stone. And I always thought they must have had 10, 15, 20 very strong men to move these stones. But actually that stone, for the first time I realized, was in another long, elongated piece of stone that had been carved in the middle, it had been chiseled away so that the stone rolled in a track. So they could roll it in front of the grave, but it could be also rolled away. But she didn't expect that, of course, and when she came, she immediately thought someone had come. And remember, one of the other Gospels will tell us that the Pharisees, being afraid because they had heard him tell his disciples that he would be dead for three days, rise from the dead, 
but because they were afraid of that, went back to Pilate, you remember, and had Pilate put a seal on that stone and stationed guards nearby. But when she came, the stone was away. They didn't seem to understand nor believe, even though Jesus had said to them many times, I am going to die, and three days later, I will resurrect or I'll come back. He had used the illustration, he said to them, when they said, show us a sign. And he said, there will be no sign given to you, but like the sign of Jonah, who for three days was there in the fish. So too the Son of Man will be for three days in the middle of the earth, and then will come out. And in Matthew, for example, 16, he says to them, and I will be, I will die and be dead, and I will come back three days. And chapter 18, he repeats it. Chapter 20, he repeats it again. And yet, somehow, that was not real to them. Or even then, in John chapter 11, where Jesus raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. And you remember the discussion as Jesus came and one of his sisters, Martha, came to him and said, Oh Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And he said, replying to her, But your brother will live again. And she said, I know at the end of time there will be this resurrection. Which the, the response was he turned to her and said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And her response is just what John wrote at the end. I believe, Lord, that you are the Messiah, that you're the Son of God, the one who was sent. And so they did not seem to believe, but I would like us then to just look for a moment at what seemed to happen then. How did Jesus begin to show them that he's alive because I always find John's record very interesting as they read through verse 3 and onward about how the two disciples, Peter, who must have been evidently a strong person, but maybe, I don't know, one way or the other, the other disciple who John modestly doesn't declare himself, but we know he's talking about himself, was able to outrun him to the tomb and then looked in first, but in verse 8, they said they still not did, uh, did not, verse 9, they did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. This is an important account. Because then it explains to us how Jesus revealed himself to them. And I would like to just mention you, to you today that on this day that we celebrate the resurrection, sometimes just as disciples in that very first resurrection day, we struggle with the reality of God. And I want us to look at how the Lord Jesus introduced himself, revealed himself to these disciples. Mary... And if you look at the verses there in verse 11, it repeats that she was crying. Then it repeats in the very next phrase, she wept. 
And if you go down then to verse 13, the angels say, woman, why are you crying? And then in verse 15, when Jesus speaks to her, he says, woman, why are you crying? One, two, three, four times. She is expressing this. She was deeply moved, weeping. So much so she could not perceive what was happening around her. For he says that not only was she weeping, but then two angels, as she peered in, were sitting there. And I think sometimes we are not much different than Mary Magdalene. That life becomes so complex or whatever is happening that all of a sudden, like in this situation, the eternal began to reveal itself. Two angels who had come and they were sitting there and one would have thought, certainly now the woman will realize this is something special, this is something different, but she was so consumed with what was in herself her sorrow, that she did not even see the eternal that was sitting there and speaking with her. Now, to be sorrowful at a grave and at a tomb of a friend, of course, or in the time of sorrow was very normal. Thinking we just reflected back on John chapter 11 when Jesus rose or brought his friend Lazarus back from the dead. Verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible. It says to us, describes as Jesus stood in front of that tomb of his friend Lazarus, that Jesus wept. And for me, that is a Bible verse that is so full of a description. It is as if it is a window into the very heart and soul of God where the Bible allows us for that moment to look into the very person of God. This God who in a matter of moments was going to cry out, Lazarus, come forth, and he would walk out of the grave. Why weep? Because of the very heart and soul of God. Here, evil had come and where humanity had been created in the image of God from the dust of the earth and from the eternal where God has breathed into them a breath of life, they become a living soul to live forever. And yet evil had corrupted that and brought death. I sometimes wonder if it wasn't just the heart of God at what had happened, and yet we see that. And here Mary is weeping, and even angels speak to her, and eventually, God himself in the person of Jesus speaks to her. And it's only at that moment when all of the things that had consumed her attention, even so much that she was unaware of the eternal in the sense of angels and the very person of the risen Jesus there, it was only when he spoke. Remember what he said? It says here in that verse, verse 16, one simple word. Mary. Have you ever heard God speak to you by using your name? Dennis. Oh, I remember. Sometimes that makes me nervous. If my mother would use Dennis Laverne, I knew 
that was not good. But this isn't like that. No, no, no. You see, here is God himself calling a person by their own name. And the way she responds to him, because finally at that moment, all of what else had, de- had kept her away from understanding the eternal and what was happening, suddenly with the voice of God calling her by her personal name, she responds to him. And look what it says. And she cries back to him, Rabboni, in, in, in Aramaic. In other words, that was, that is the comparison of Hochdeutsch and Switzerdeutsch. And she spoke the language of her heart. Because God had spoken the language of her heart. Mary! God himself had called her by name. And for the first time she recognized the risen God. And I sometimes think, for you and me, for us to understand the risen living God, we need in the depth of our heart, our conscience, our mind, to hear not just the voice of God in a set of rules and regulations of what one does or does not do, but the very voice of God calling us personally by our name. He did that. And if you read the rest of the chapter, when you have time this afternoon, you'll find that he not only called that one by her her name, but he also called the disciples when they were locked in a room, it says there in the next verses, on the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, and then he came. He did not open a door. He did not open a window. He came because here the eternal was coming into the world. And God is God. And then he said to them, if you like, put your finger into the nail. The mark that was left. Put your hand into the side. Can you imagine God Almighty coming to persons and explaining the reality, revealing the truth of who he is by presenting himself in that way. It's an amazing truth to me that God loves us. We just heard the song of for God so loved the world. God loved you and me so much that he's prepared not only to call us by his, our names, but also to reveal himself to us. Just like with Thomas, who was not there the first time. It goes on, and John describes that event, where Thomas then said, no, 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 I don't believe. I'm not going to believe that. That's impossible. Dead stay dead. But then the next time they were together, Because Thomas had said, unless I see, unless I put my finger there, unless I put my hand there, I will not believe. But what did Jesus do to reveal himself, to convince Thomas? He came. And can you imagine that discussion between yourself and God? When God comes and says, Thomas, you said you would not believe unless... Here it is. Put your finger there. You said you would not believe unless. Here it is. Put your hand there. Have you ever heard God coming? And for whatever reason where you said, I don't think so, I do not know, I do not accept whatever 
and suddenly, unless, and God comes. And in the grace and the mercy, but also the love of God, he shows us and speaks to us in that very point where we have challenged him. That's the way he loves. So Jesus reveals himself, proving the resurrection again and again, because it wasn't just these disciples that saw him, but Paul records it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to what he says as he describes how Jesus revealed himself, proving the resurrection again and again after he was raised from the dead. Paul writes, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, other, otherwise you have believed in vain. But then listen to how he describes that truth. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living. So what is he saying here? He said this wasn't just an appearance to Mary, crying out to her and naming her by her name that she would respond, or to Thomas asking him to put his finger or his hand. No, he said he appeared to the, all the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 at one time, and some of those were still alive as Paul was writing. They could have stood up and said, no, but it was true, you see. They had experienced the living, resurrected God. And I do believe that that is the ultimate way we believe, is we experience the reality of the resurrected Christ. He comes to us. His Spirit speaks to our heart, our mind, our soul, calling us by name or speaking to us in such a way we know without a doubt it is him. Now, not only then does Jesus reveal himself, and let me just pause. I would be amiss if I didn't stop right now. How long has it been since you've heard the voice of God? Speaking, calling your name. How long has it been that all of a sudden you've realized that the eternal has been at work within your heart, your life, your situation? And all of a sudden, as you begin to understand, you see more and more God. You see, God does that to bring us to himself gently and graciously until he brings us to a point where it's time for us to say, yes, that is true for me as well. Then, so it's not only Jesus revealing himself, but just before we close, I'd like us to look at the questions that are being asked here. In verse 15, remember the angels in verse 13 had asked, why are you crying? Jesus asked, why are you crying? But that's not the end of his questions. He then goes on and says, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? You see, the why is connected with the who. 
why it's going on in our life like this is always connected, and the answer is with the who, with Jesus as he comes. And that, as we look at that, so it's that type of message, but then the message Jesus sends back with Mary to the disciples. It's an amazing message. He says to her, now I have not ascended yet to the Father. Instead, go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, in the first part of the verse, he uses a term for Father God, the Father. In the second part of the verse, he changes that to my Father, your Father. Remember when we studied God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In God the Father, all of us, to a certain degree, and eventually fully, will know God the Father in the sense that he is the creator. From dust and eternal, he has created humankind that we have an eternal soul. And one day, if we do not acknowledge God, if we do not have a relationship, we still will stand before him as that creator father to give account for our life. Whether we like that idea or we do not accept, it is what the Bible says is truth. But the Bible also presents God as my father. That is when God has worked forgiveness in our life. Remember I'll describe then in, excuse me, in Romans chapter 8, where it says when he has forgiven our sins, when we have repented and called, he then places his spirit into our hearts and our souls, and we, our spirit, acknowledges that by crying out, Abba, Father! And in Galatians it describes as the spirit of God comes, claiming us for God. It, he also cries out, Abba, Father, and it goes on to say, and that is a spirit of of adoption. In other words, spiritually, we have been adopted into the family of God. Therefore, he becomes my father, our father. Do you know him that way? My father, our father. It's probably one of the most significant messages that Jesus ever sent. Immediately upon the resurrection, when he has destroyed or defeated evil, paid the price for our sin, come back to life to demonstrate to us that that forgiveness is absolutely full. And his words back to them is, my father is now your father. That's our opportunity. That's what the resurrection is all about. As we started last week, we talked about Palm Sunday, that moment when Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem. It was that open coming of Jesus, openly declaring himself through that manner as king. And as he came, remember the crowds were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Help us, save us, God. He came and then was rejected. 
and the rulers found a way to send him to the cross. But that night before he went, he came secretly, once came openly, then came secretly. They had the Lord's Supper, and in that meal of Passover, he introduced to them, and he said, and this cup is the covenant in my blood. That that next day when he died on the cross, that new relationship, that new covenant with God, I will put my law in their minds, I'll write it on their heart, I will be their God, and you will be my people, and all will know me, and I will forgive their sins and remember their iniquity no more. It became effective at the moment his blood flowed. He came once. He came again. And now he is resurrected from the dead and he says to them, now I am ascending to, my, to the Father, to my Father and your Father. But there is going to be a third coming. And every resurrection, every Easter morning, it declares to us the truth of eternity and God's plan is working. And it says in his Bible that there will come a day when he will come as a king with angels and an army and they will put evil to an end. And those who know him will enter an eternity with God, the Lord Jesus, the resurrected one, for an eternity. You see, that's what resurrection is all about. May I just ask you again? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to once again consider that you are risen. And just for a moment, our minds think about that description of the throne of God in Revelation 5. And we hear them shouting, holy, holy, and at the same time we hear them saying, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God because he was slain. And Lord, we thank you that those are truths. And we thank you today that Jesus is risen, signifying beyond any shadow of doubt that God the Father has accepted his substitutionary sacrifice for us. And Lord, by faith, we thank you. We worship you. And now I pray for each one of us here. Lord, if there's other ones who are going through struggles, maybe there's some who've not heard your voice, Father, calling them by name or speaking to them or revealing the truth of who you are to them. I would ask at this very moment that you speak in such a clear, definite, understandable manner that each one of us individually understand and experience you. Lord, we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you. And with all those, we shout out, you are risen. We worship you. Amen.